Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. I am here today with Charmaine Gregory, who is an ER physician. She is also has many other talents. She's an author, a podcaster, and a speaker, and a mom. And um, the foundation that she has created for herself really is to encourage others to face their fears, just as she has done in the past. And you probably have heard her on her own podcast, which is called Fearless Freedom. And if not, I highly encourage you to check her out. Charmaine, thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Awesome. So I, I had mentioned to you when we were chatting before that I you have like all my dream hobbies. So I'm really interested in talking about how you kind of, before we get into the imposter syndrome stuff, but how you went from being an ER physician to launching these other kind of side gigs for yourself. So, um, so that really brings us back to uh, a bad point, I guess I would say, or like a, an adir in, in my life, which was probably about, let me see, probably about seven years ago now. Uh, almost eight years ago, but um, I went through burnout. I went through, and then people are always talking about this term and why do we use this term? But, you know, in my mind, I really feel like it was burnout because it was a flame that was super bright and super um, uh, excited when I first came out of residency. So, you know, I came out, I was 30 years old. I was super excited about getting into emergency medicine. Mm-hmm. And I literally did not know what I was going to do ultimately as far as my niche. And so as a result of that, I decided that I was going to just say yes to everything. So I had zero boundaries, like absolutely zero mm-hmm. boundaries. And so I said yes to everything. I said yes to med students. I said yes to residents. I said, oh, committee. Yes. You know, anything that yeah. came before me, I said yes to. And, you know, so that was happening and then life was also happening. And um, we had, you know, I got married at the age of 30 as well. So I got married, graduated residency, started a new job, you know, I was now an attending and blah, blah, blah. And so, um, you know, so I was trying to navigate the academic well, I guess community academic is a little bit different than, than um, tenure academic. But um, I was trying to navigate those waters, figure out where my position was there. And then at the same time, life was happening. So we were, you know, we were young and we were definitely looking to start a family. And, you know, we didn't know if it was going to be happening. And so we were super happy to have actually gotten pregnant. And I didn't reveal it because I didn't reveal it to anybody outside of my husband and my immediate family because I was very concerned about it. Mm -hmm. And it did turn out that, you know, on Mother's Day, um, we ended up losing a baby. And so that was like huge. But what does somebody do who is so used to tucking away traumas? They take Mm -hmm. it, they put it in a compartment and they lock it away. And so I didn't realize that that was a piece of what was happening to me until many years later when I started to reflect and I realized I never grieved for our baby. And um, so there was that. So there was the no boundaries and saying yes to everything from the career side. And then there was life happening where, you know, we had this loss, you know, we were definitely very blessed very soon after that with not one, but three, you know, amazing children. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I never really dealt with that. Right. So there was that. And then on top of that, at the very 
end of things, um, after my third child was born, I was very active. I've always been pretty active, like my whole life, essentially, uh, always playing sports, always just moving around and staying in shape. And, you know, her pregnancy was probably one that I was the most active during. I mean, I literally did some crazy things like ran a 5k at 28 mm-hmm. weeks, you know, all these things. And so I was very anxious to get back into the things that I was doing before. So as soon as the six weeks were up, I literally got going, working out, Mm -hmm. started to do running season and I don't run like, I'm not like a runner. I can't really say I'm a runner, but I liked to run, walk five Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ks. So I was at it, you know, for the season, I was doing one every month. And, you know, my husband tells me that I probably did not train appropriately, which he probably Mm -hmm. is correct. And so I ended up injuring myself. And that injury was the thing I think that just kind of was the straw that broke the camel's mm-hmm. back. Yeah. And I ended up having a knee, my um, right knee, that was essentially out of commission for almost an entire year. Oh, and wow. this is despite multiple DVU scans, because my leg was like twice the size of the other one, mm. and uh, multiple taps, you know, lots and lots of fluid was taken off my knee. And it wasn't until um, that summer following year that he went into the operating room with my, you know, took me to the operating room and figured out that I actually had a torn meniscus that was undetected by MR and all the great stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, by then I had such atrophy on that side Mm -hmm. and such limited range of motion on that side that it was very notable. And, but thankfully I was able to get everything all fixed after the operation, but of course, you know, my middle had grown, you know, mm-hmm. I was not in a great shape I was before. And, you know, I, I got ready to, I remember to fall very clearly because I was giving a talk to one of the residents and I, uh, one of the resident conferences and I got, went in my closet to pick up my favorite suit and I went and I tried to put the thing on and mm-hmm. I literally could not button the buttons. Mm. Like the buttonhole just was not cooperating. It was not <laughs> going around the button. And I was just really like, what is happening? And then I tried to get the pants on and those bad boys weren't even trying to make it over my hips. <laughs> and so I said, you know what? This is not good. So I'm like on the floor, like sobbing, like, this is crazy. What's happening? Yeah. And I just made a decision. I was like, you know what? I'm going to join a group. I'm going to mm-hmm. get accountability. I'm going to like get out of this funk. And then it was when I was started to see the transformation from regular exercise. I mean, it wasn't a lot. It was like 30 minutes a day. It wasn't a mm-hmm. huge amount of exercise that I saw the transformation, not only in my physical form, but then I started seeing that, you know, cause part of it was part of the accountability was personal development. So it was, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about gratitude, thinking about, you know, what are some of the things that you, um, that you can grow in personally And then it was then that I realized that sitting in the parking lot when it is like, you know, a few minutes before your shift starts in the middle of the night, because I work at night Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting there and I have a death grip around the steering wheel and I have to tell every single finger to release the death grip Mm -hmm. and both thumbs to relieve the death grip. And that isn't normal, right? Mm -hmm. I thought it was normal because it happened super slowly and, you know, it was like, Kind of, I kind of like to call it a clandestine thief in a night because that's exactly mm-hmm. what it does. It's, it's like if you have a change 
So for example, if one of your children, you know, your a family member hasn't seen them for a while, they're like, oh my God, look how big your kid has gotten. Mm -hmm. And you're like, huh? I don't, I don't see it because yeah. you don't see the change because you're looking at it every day. Mm -hmm. No, you could be looking at it right in the mirror and there could be something changing about you and you could not even realize it. So that's how it is. Yeah. And so that's why I said, you know, I still like to use the word burnout because I kind of feel like that's what happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was multifactorial. Everybody's mm -hmm. pathway is different. Everybody's pathway into it is different. Everybody's pathway out of it is different. It just so happened that for me, you know, fitness was what got me out of it. Fitness is what got me recognizing it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, from there, you know, that's kind of how everything got started with me wanting to pay forward by, at first it was helping others with their fitness and then mm -hmm. it evolved into just wellness education and then it has now evolved most recently into really taking a huge um you know effort to face your fear because everything kind of boils down to that right yeah. because what was happening i had a fear right i had a fear mm -hmm. that was not acknowledged and was not being faced and mm -hmm. it just was eating away and ultimately ended up being you know thankfully not a bad outcome but um because you know to be honest with you like your work is like the last thing that suffers in mm -hmm. a situation like that yeah. you know you can will yourself to make it happen take care of the patients do the job but you know inside you were just dying mm -hmm. and it's horrible so I am super happy to be uh, over that <laughs> and yeah. I'm always willing to tell my story because I just know that there are others of us who are experiencing it in a, maybe a different flavor, but they mm -hmm. don't realize that they're in it. And that was right. my problem. I didn't know I was in it. And if you don't realize that you're in it, you can't do anything about getting out. Right. So yeah, so that's kind of, kind of what got me started, you know, chatting about even that topic and yeah. then chatting about other things and then evolving now into focusing on overcoming fear mm -hmm. as the, as the, as the actual like, um, night is for a lot of the things that happen to us. Yeah. I think that's a good point that you bring up. It's like this theory, this, this drift that happens, like it's not one day you're fine. The next day you're not, it's this slow drift. And I think that's the importance of this work is finding people when they're in the middle of the drift instead of finding people when they hit rock bottom because it's so much harder to dig yourself out when you get to that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, I think the fear, the fear thing is, is right on point. And for me, that's kind of where I was with my issue with imposter syndrome because really that stems from a fear that you'll be found out or a fear of what other people think about you. Did you experience any of that? Oh, definitely. I mean, I experienced that. I would say every step along the way, I've experienced that. I experienced that when I went to medical school. I experienced yeah. that when I took a year off from medical school to do um, the, the uh, Howard Hughes program at the NIH. I got into that lab. I got on that campus and I literally had imposter syndrome. I thought, wow, how did I even get here? Like, yeah. I, I, did it really mean for me to be here? And, you know, even up to the day that I'm presenting my project and even up to the, uh, to the, the day when, you know, my, my work was validated when the postdoc actually you know, repeated some of the experiments and got confirmation that what I did was correct and ended up publishing his work based yeah. on that, I still had doubt, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so that at that stage, you know, at the, the learner stage, yeah. and then, you know, you get to be a resident 
And, you know, I was, I was very privileged and honored to have been elected chief resident along with um, one of my co-residents, Derek Jones. And, you know, as a chief resident, you know, here I am, I'm at Duke University Medical Center and I'm already like, wow, you know, I'm actually at Duke. This is amazing. Like, how did they let me in here? You know, and you know, you're doing an excellent job. You're doing the things you're supposed to do. You get elected, you get elected chief resident and you have to give grand rounds in front of internal medicine. So mm -hmm. all your medicine colleagues and, you know, co-residents, um, you just, you get so intimidated. You're just like, oh my gosh, um, make sure I'm saying the right things or, you know, so even when you deliver the goods, even when mm -hmm. you deliver excellence, you still have that feeling. It doesn't yeah. stop. You know, I go to, I go to give talks when I'm a resident, I go to give talks at national meetings. I still feel the same way. I have mm -hmm. that imposter syndrome. I have to pinch myself every time and say, wow, how did I get this honor? How did I get mm -hmm. to this place where I have the privilege of sharing with an audience what I have learned and then having the privilege of having that audience give back to me so mm -hmm. that I can have that feedback to improve on the experience for the next audience. Like there's always imposter syndrome, no matter how many accolades, no matter mm -hmm. how many accomplishments, you still will feel this way. I'm pretty sure that even people who are, you know, elite athletes have mm -hmm. the same feeling. Yep. Like they don't talk about it, but I bet you they do. The reason why I know that that's the case is because if they didn't, they wouldn't keep practicing. Right. Right. They mm -hmm. wouldn't be looking to improve upon themselves. And because they would feel like they've arrived, the moment you feel like you've arrived, number one, not a good thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> number two, that's when you stop growing. So yep. I, I, I feel it. And I, I recognize it, but at the same time, I embrace it because that feeling of, wow, am I good enough? It doesn't, it shouldn't stop you from doing what it should do is just keep you grounded so that you just keep growing. So yeah. that's kind of how I look at it. I love that. So that's, so you kind of take a positive spin on it. And instead of making an assumption that you feel that way because you really truly don't belong there, it's, you just take it as fuel to keep going. Yes, yeah. because you have to, you have mm -hmm. to keep going. And to be honest, sometimes it's like, it's a trigger that makes you do even more than you would have done otherwise. Right. Yeah. Because you're like, okay, I don't want them to say that because I'm a woman, I am not excellent at what I do. Mm -hmm. Or I don't want them to say that because I'm an emergency physician, I cannot deliver this content or, yeah. you know, like whatever it is, you know, so what happens is you end up doing extra just because of that. You don't yeah. want to be in a position where you are not prepared. Yeah. So in a way it's kind of good because mm -hmm. it pushes you to greatness, right? Yeah. The greatness that you already had inside of you, but maybe you hadn't tapped in on. Right. What would you say to those, to those people who are so afraid of failing that they're, that they don't even want to try? I say try because let me tell you something, there is nothing worse than taking that bandaid on. So say you have a bunch of hair on your skin 
and you had that bandaid over that cut, there's mm. nothing worse than taking that bandaid off with like one hair at a time. Mm -hmm. That's like the wax job from Hades. Okay. <laughs> there's no need to do that. There's no need rip the thing off and just mm -hmm. go for it. Because if you think back to when you started learning how to ride a bicycle, for example, or when you first learned how to do your hair. Okay. Maybe not everybody swims. So when you first learn how to do your hair, how to first learn how to make a ponytail, did that thing look amazing? Absolutely not. It didn't. It probably looked crazy. You probably had hair going in all different direction, but did you stop making a ponytail? No, you didn't. Mm -hmm. So were you scared of making a ponytail? Maybe, maybe there was a little bit of that in you, but I bet you that when you did that thing, you probably were so young that you did not let that fear stop you. The problem that we have as adults is that we don't take chances, right? Because mm -hmm. we have all this calculation going on inside our heads where we're like, oh, you know, maybe I might fall and break my face. Maybe I might, you know, trip, whatever. Mm -hmm. but a child doesn't think like that. A child is like, whatever, I'm just going to try it. You know, yeah. like my kids jump off the, the furniture, mm -hmm. you know, they don't care. They're like, Oh, let's Great. just try it. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, well, I guess I'm not gonna do that. Or yeah. I'll just try it a different way. So if you start looking at failing as not failing, but actually as learning, Mm -hmm. then you will have a very different perspective on trying things. You'll be more likely to try things and push yourself. And then you will be so amazed at how much you can accomplish. Because I have to say that whenever I get that feeling in my stomach, like, oh, oh, should I really do this? Mm -hmm. That's when I know I should do it. Yeah. That's when I know I should try it. Because it may or may not be successful, but what you never want to have is you don't want to be that kamudgy like um, person who's sitting on the on the porch, you know, rocking in a rocking chair and thinking, "Man, I wish I had done that thing I said I was gonna do when I was like 40. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be that person. You want to okay. be the person that has tried the things and maybe failed a few times, but learned some valuable lessons so that when you did succeed, it was fantastic. That's right. the person that you want to be because that's the person that leaves a legacy that is phenomenal, right? And that's the person yeah. people want to be around. I mean, we, I get it. We can be scared, particularly when we're trying something new when we're trying something that truly tests us. I get it. That's mm -hmm. totally fine. But just think about all the new things that you've tried in your whole entire life. I mean, you couldn't get to where you are right now without having tried. And just imagine, had you not tried, you would not have the success that you have today. And then if you listen to this, you are successful. You know, I don't care if you have a degree or not, you are successful. And Absolutely. it is a pivot point. And the reason why you're even hearing this is because this is a pivot point for you. This is a time, this is a fork in the road where you make a decision. You either make a decision to head down that path of the kamaji on mm -hmm. the porch, rocking in a rocking chair, thinking, oh man, I wish I had done this. Or you want to go down the path where you're like, oh my gosh, what an amazing life I had. Yes, I had great things happen. Yes, I may have had some lessons that I learned from failure, but man, life was beautiful. That's the path that you want to be going down. Yeah, I think that's such a great exercise. And that's one that actually had really made a huge impact for me too, is allowing myself to really put myself at my last few days of my life and 
imagine if I had not tried one thing that I was scared to try and how that would feel. And it's a devastating exercise because you realize that you feel this immense regret and longing and it actually fuels your desire today. And that that has worked so well for me whenever those fears pop up is remembering that feeling that can be avoided by just trying. And, Absolutely. you know, you bringing up the whole, you know, the growth mindset thing is so true. Like there's no failure. There's just results. That's and right. that has been a good um, mantra for me where instead of thinking of it as a failure, thinking of it just as, as like you said, something to learn from, which is really valuable. You had mentioned that, um, getting into personal development was really helpful. And I think that for so many physicians on this path, they found that, you know, personal development sweet spot. How do you continue to work on that today? Oh man, I get my personal development from so many different avenues, but typically what will happen is at the beginning, I did a lot of reading. I have Mm -hmm. to say that I've been very bad at the reading part. I have tons (laughs) of really awesome books that I have like read maybe one or two chapters in and then moved on to the next thing. (laughs) But but the thing that has been most consistent is actually getting audio personal development. Mm -hmm. So I have, you know, I have Darren Daly. I don't know if you guys know who that guy is, but um, he has a free option where he literally has in your mail, in your inbox, he has like five minutes of personal development available to you every single day. So I'll listen to him, Darren Daly. And, um, I listen to, um, a couple of, um, network marketing, um, gurus, Mm -hmm. um, Ray Higdon, Higdon, he does a live broadcast where he talks about something having to do with personal development on a daily basis. Um, I listen to stuff on YouTube. I actually listen to it because I don't actually watch it often, but I watch Les Brown a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a guy and I, his name escapes me, but basically this guy had the roughest childhood ever. And one day he just decided that he was done. Like he was not going to he was not going to let that define him. And he decided that he was going to run across the country and he literally did it. And then ever since then, he, he has just, just been doing ultras and doing all these races. And he talks a lot about the mental toughness that comes about from that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he does a lot of motivational um, talks about how running has transformed his life and the mental state that you have to be in to do those yeah. extraordinary races. And so I like listening to him because I feel like he's, he's kind of like has a potty mouth, but he really like drives the point home. Yeah. And then podcasts. I mean, podcasts, yeah. there's so many really great podcasts out there that talk a lot about mindset and uh, motivation. Mm-hmm. I listen to podcasts about um, business a lot, um, particularly because I'm trying to grow mine. Yeah. <laughs> and so I listen to a lot of business podcasts. I listen to um, So Money with um, Farnoosh Tarabi. I listen to um, Afford Anything by Paula Pett. Um, yeah, there's a bunch, bunch of different, um, so so it comes in the form of audio mostly for me now, but in the beginning it was reading. Like I Mm -hmm. read, you know, Brian Tracy's book I read, which is eat that frog. I read, um, you know, um, yeah, I read all of the classic, um, all the go-to books. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do you think that that has impacted your career as a physician? Oh my gosh. You know what? Well, that, and I think being 45 has been amazing. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because what <laughs> yeah. has happened is I'm telling you, like, this is the crazy part. Like I was so I told you I was like a yes woman. Yes. before. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Whatever. No boundaries. But um, <laughs> what I noticed is I turned 40 and I was just like, wait a minute, I don't have to say yes to everything. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and so you start when you get into the 40s, you tend to have like a self-awareness like you get to that point where you just kind of like you know what I am good enough and I make a decision about the things that are going to be best for myself and for my family and I need to make sure that that's the boundary and so I've noticed though that the older I get so I turn 45 this year and this year um well as more so like into the 44th year i really had that like take no bs kind of attitude like you know it's like people come to me with something and i'll be like oh no that's not gonna work for me because that's just not gonna work and you know i get the puzzled looks like wow how could you be saying no to this or wow do you really mean that don't you mean this no this is what Mm -hmm. i mean i mean this Mm -hmm. and so my mind i think had gotten stronger during those years of just getting fed personal development on a regular basis and then my mindset has transformed like you know you mentioned the growth mindset like that is basically how i think about everything like Mm -hmm. even my business like i don't look at somebody who's doing the same thing that I'm doing as a competitor. I do Mm -hmm. not look at them like that. I look at them as a collaborator. Reason why Mm -hmm. is because I am fully aware that, you know, looking at somebody as a competitor does not allow for you to learn from them and does not also allow for you to have the benefit of putting positive energy out into the universe. And I'm a big believer in, you know, repercussions related to energy. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I feel like if I collaborate with my competitor, then I, I will benefit better. And so will the people that I serve, because the honest truth is you could have two people doing exactly the same thing, but if I am going to choose, I will choose the person that speaks to me. And mm-hmm. that's just the bottom line. And that is true for the majority of humans. So, and there are plenty of humans out there, you know, there's plenty yeah. to go around. So there's no mm-hmm. need for me to have a cutthroat attitude about anything having to do with my business. So, you know, that is a mindset that, you know, not, is not a natural mindset, right? It's not something that you right. just like say you're going to start a business and then all of a sudden you're, you have this m- mental state. This is something that has evolved from, you know, being around people who have elevated your, you know, who elevate your mind in regard to business, in regard to that kind of thing. And then also, you know, feeding your mind with positive energy and with things that are going to edify it versus, Mm -hmm. you know, negative things. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a funny, funny thing. Yeah, it <laughs> so is. it's, a, it's been an evolution. It's been years. It's been yeah. years. It's not like something happened overnight. Exactly. And I think you had mentioned um, some things that I think are protective against an imposter syndrome that I want to highlight. And the first is having boundaries. And I understand that as like a medical student or a resident, it seems impossible to have them. But I don't think it is completely. And I think that it's temporary as long as you understand that eventually you need to have boundaries set if you want to have longevity in your career. So that's one thing that's really important that you mentioned. And the other thing is this self-awareness that like you're a human being who has value and you are different than other people and that's okay. And if those two things could be taught during 
medical school and residency, I think that we would have happier physicians who don't feel like imposters. Absolutely. I, I wish that that was integrated. And I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know what's going on these days. Obviously, it's, for me, it's been a long time. I mean, it's probably been like ooh, 18 years since I've been in medical school. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sure a lot has changed, but you're right. If that could be integrated, even if a seed of that could be planted to just let people understand that there are options, mm-hmm. I think that it would make a world of difference. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. What advice um, would you give residents these days about, you know, avoiding imposter syndrome and avoiding burnout? You know, I'm always going to say that they should start a business Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I honestly believe that's true. I mean, I feel like the things that you learn from being an entrepreneur are like, they basically make you bulletproof in medicine. I I, I can't, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just don't even know how to, you know, translate that like into something really tangible, like tangible points, but it's just all the things. I mean, you get to recognize BS when you see it, right? Mm -hmm. Which is something that we don't always recognize as physicians, because guess what? When you're going through medicine, you know the exact path, right? The path is laid out for you. Like, you know, you have to take this and that and whatever class before you can get into medical Mm -hmm. school and get this number on whatever test. And then when you go to medical school, you you know, you have to take step one, step two, right. and do all the things, whatever. And then when you go to residency, okay, you need to get like this many chest tubes in order to be qualified to graduate and be on your own. So everything is like laid out for you. Exactly. I've said the same thing. Oh my God. It's, it's like so crazy. And then, yeah. then when you get done, right, you get done and it's literally like, okay, have at it. Yeah, Nobody like, teaches now? you. Right. Exactly. What do I do now? And the buck stops with you, right? So yeah. what, do I, what do I do now? And the buck stops with me. Like, yeah. this is just crazy. Yeah. And so nobody teaches you to have a mindset that is thinking about protecting yourself and mm-hmm. your future assets, right? right? Nobody teaches you that. Nobody teaches you to have a mindset of advocacy for you because you are very valuable, right? You have all this training under your belt, all this education under your belt. You are extremely valuable and nobody tells you that, right? Right. They treat you like, and I mean, I'm sorry if anybody listening is an establishment, quote unquote, but like, you know, (laughs) they treat you like you are you're oh yo not that important don't worry about it yeah yeah right but you know you are you are and that means so the reason why I'm saying this is because once you recognize your worth then you are in a position of power mm-hmm. oftentimes as physicians we are not in a position of fo- power because we don't recognize it and yeah. so because we're not in that position we don't advocate for ourselves now there's a reason why you know you don't negotiate for the salary that you should have negotiated for right out of residency because you're super happy like oh my god i'm gonna mm-hmm. go from this figure to that figure and you know i'm just so excited to have a job right yeah but you are qualified to choose your job like you have many choices like you don't have to pick this particular choice. You mm-hmm. can negotiate for what you want cuz right now as you're graduating, you are in a position of power. They want you to come work for them, 
to help mm-hmm. them make money. So you can advocate for yourself in that way. So, you know, these are the things that I feel like I wish I had learned. And yeah. as an entrepreneur, these are the things that are, are natural. Mm-hmm. As an entrepreneur, you understand your worth. You understand that if you don't do the thing or if you don't advocate for yourself, you're not going to have any business. You're not going to have any income. And so we don't think that way when we're coming right. out of residency because we don't see ourselves as you ink right. or me ink, I guess. You don't see yourself as you ink. And so because you don't see yourself as you ink, you don't negotiate like a boss yeah. like you would if you were you ink. So I think that start a business <laughs> it would be yeah. a good way. Or if you don't necessarily start a business, just start looking into things related to business and just mm-hmm. even just, you know, listening to podcasts about business or reading a book about business, it will really, really help you in opening your eyes to what medicine is really is. And yeah. it will guide you on a good path yeah. through it, through it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's so true is what it can provide you is the, if the shift from requiring external validation to giving yourself internal validation and realizing that that's all that you'd need. You don't need anybody else to validate you or prove that you're worthy because that's just a fact. And you don't really, you're not going to get that in your journey on becoming a physician. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was very um, eye opening. Like mm-hmm. when I had my revelation, I was like, oh my God, I've yeah. been lied to all these years. This is horrible. Yeah. So, yeah. For me too. But I think that's why it's important that there are women like you out there, you know, pulling the veil up and, and saying like, this is the other side of things and it doesn't have to be like this. No, absolutely. I agree. And I mean, I, I would say the same thing for you too, because mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're out there, you're doing things that are like not the typical doctor thing. And I feel like that's what we have to do. Like Mm -hmm. that's what we have to do. We have to make the information accessible and we have to, and a lot of times, you know, they say that if you don't see it, you can't be it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, having that example out there is what is going to help to make a difference in those that come behind us. So yeah, no, I feel like um, I feel like it's necessary. I feel, I wish more of us would be, you know, in the space and like sharing, but, um, yeah, let's just keep encouraging people to yeah. step off the fear fence and make exactly. it happen. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Charmaine. I really appreciate it. You had such great insight to share today. Oh, thank you for having me on. One more thing before you go. I wanted to tell you about the amazing course I just put together and is available now and live at the lowest price I'll ever offer it. And it is all about how to coach yourself. So if you have been considering getting a coach, haven't been able to commit, worried about the financial investment, or just not quite sure if it's the right thing for you yet, then self-coaching is a really, really good place to start. It's exactly where I started my journey to becoming the confident and fulfilled physician that I am today and living with intention and living living with purpose for the past two years have been working on material that I could offer other women to help them to get to where I am because there's nothing special about me. Anyone can feel this way with the proper tools and that's what self-coaching provides. So it is an in-depth 
and complete look into self-coaching, including what it is, why it's so important, all the tools that you need to know about self-coaching, and even a special module designed just to help you to solve your biggest everyday problems, including imposter syndrome, which so many of us struggle with. It also includes access to the private Facebook group where you can ask questions or seek support. And the part I'm most excited about is the opportunity to hop on group coaching calls every month where we can talk about specific problems that you're having. It's a safe environment where I can give you some personalized help and support as you go along this course and well beyond. Check out the link in the show notes page for this one-of-a-kind self-coaching course. It's designed mostly geared towards physician women or professional women who are struggling in their day-to-day life with a feeling of lack of confidence, feeling like an imposter, feeling like you're going through life reacting to everybody else's problems and no real direction for where your own life is going. I can help you get there and self-coaching is the way to do it.